Welcome to episode 7 of the Live to Shoot podcast, where we talk about all things Second Amendment and our right to bear arms. Plus, any other topic that might pop up, I always do reserve the right to change my mind. There's a lot of discussion recently about sanctuary cities and the push that the government in Virginia is doing to get through some extensive new gun control legislation. The good folks in Virginia have made their voices heard, but it might ultimately get settled in the courts. But I don't think the crazy folks in California will put up the same fight that those in Virginia have. No offense to my listeners in California, and I do have some. In fact, a few of my biggest downloaders are in California. But a new San Diego Union tribute poll shows where Californians stand on gun control laws. When asked whether it was more important to protect the right of Americans to own guns or control gun ownership, 54% of the people said controlling ownership is more important. 63% of those surveyed said federal laws on gun ownership are not strict enough. Meanwhile, another 47% of those asked said that they believe widespread gun ownership makes society dangerous. Now, who are these people that think that widespread gun ownership makes society dangerous? 91% of those asked said background checks should be required for every person who wants to purchase a firearm. 70% of those asked said that they would support a law limiting how much ammunition a gun can hold at once, while 72% of those polled said that they would support a law limiting how much ammunition can be purchased at the same time. I don't have access to the stats about who were surveyed, but they sure don't share the same opinion of the people I know. A link to to the survey, I'm going to put a link to the survey in the the show notes so you can uh, look at it yourself. Things aren't good in Hawaii either. Gun owners in Hawaii have it even worse, uh, uh, partly because the gun laws in Hawaii are already atrocious. The right to bear arms is non-existent, with may-issue license required to carry either openly or concealed, and the right to keep arms is curtailed as well, with every gun owner required to register their firearms with the police. The latest bills to be introduced would be a nightmare for the state's legal gun owners. House Bill 2736 and Senate Bill 2635 restrict ammunition purchases and possession to those who provide a proof of firearm registration for the particular caliber of the purchase. Additionally, the legislation requires licensing for ammunition sellers. Senate Bill 2519, like House Bill 1736 and Senate Bill 2154, reported on previously, prohibits possession of magazines capable of holding more than 10 rounds. These so-called high-capacity magazines are, in fact, standard equipment for commonly owned firearms that many of us um, Americans legally and effectively use for our entire uh, range of legitimate purchases, self-defense, or competition. The bills recognize the utility of these magazines by carving out an exemption for law enforcement, but will still violate the rights of ordinary citizens. They contain no grandfathering provision for effective magazines lawfully acquired prior to the ban, so citizens will be forced to dispose of their property, alter it, or surrender it to the government. Now, where did all this start? Let's go back to 1895, when a village in Cook County, Illinois, was incorporated called Morton Grove. In 1841, John Miller built a water-powered sawmill that provided lumber to surrounding areas and all the way down to Chicago. In 1872, the Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Paul Railroad bought the Miller Mill and laid some new tracks. The stop was renamed to Morton Grove in honor of one of the railroad's financiers. By 1895, it had grown large enough that it, would, it could be incorporated. 
And how did this little mill, milling town become ground zero for gun control? We'll enter Jeffrey Lagoya. He never expected what would happen um, when he went in on May 11, 1981, to apply to a monthly meeting of the Morton Grove trustees to apply for a business license to open a police supply store. The 25-year-old planned on offering a variety of security equipment, flashlights, holsters, guns, but the heart of his business was going to be a reloading operation that he hoped to supply discounted ammunition for police training courses. As part of the process, he had met with the chief of police, and who had told him that he didn't want another gun store in his town. But there, there are already two stores selling guns, a general sporting goods shop and a dedicated gun shop. LaGoya felt the police chief didn't want competition for his good friend, an ex-police officer who had a store in the next town. But, according to one of the trustees, many in town didn't want um, someone else selling guns, particularly because it was down the street from a junior high. So, a trustee proposed an ordinance banning the sale of handguns and another ordinance prohibiting the possession of handguns. They passed the ban on the sale of handguns, but tabled the ordinance prohibiting the possession. Eventually, Morton Grove ended up had banned the sale of, as well as the possession of handguns. Enter Victor Kilushi, a Morton Grove res resident and registered firearm, who would who'd soon file suit. The courts looked at the, at, at the Galushi case from two different perspectives. Since the Illinois state constitution had a right to bear arms in it, it had to be looked at the state perspective as well as the Second Amendment. In looking at the Second Amendment, the Seventh Circuit Court held that the Second Amendment applied only to the federal government and had no authority over the local ordinance. They also commented that the Second Amendment did not confer an individual right, but it was only connected to the preservation of a militia. This is where we got our collect this is the collective rights theory, and this is where our problems all started. They also ruled that the state constitution didn't prevent the ban because it only protected arms and didn't prevent the ban of certain firearms. This was the first um, handgun ban in the United States, and it would stay in place until 2008, when the Morton Grove trustees finally voted 5-1 to one to repeal the ban. We will talk later in, in future episodes about what led to that change. Thank you for listening and subscribing to my podcast. If you have any comments or feedback that you'd like to give me, please email me. My email address is in the notes. And if you know of anybody that might be interested in this podcast, please forward it to them. Thank you, and until next week.